Oh. The perks of being at the front speaking, I guess. Um, so, Christmas is over. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news here, but all the work, all the hype, all the dinners, the lunches, the travelling, it's all done. It's over. And quite possibly, the saddest thing about all this is that Woolies no longer stocks eggnog. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ryan, and I'll be here today to bring us the last part of our four-part Christmas series. So, let's take a look at what we've covered in the past three weeks. Uh, in this Christmas series, we talked about the typical, traditional baby in a manger over here uh, on, in early December, followed by what was effectively the Easter story, the cross, uh, a, week and, no, a week ago. Um, and then just yesterday, we spoke about how Jesus is coming back again. And that we're waiting, we're living ready, and we're hopefully expectant of his return. That's a bit of an odd Christmas series, right? Surely Christmas is just about an old stable with some sheep and a, wise, a few wise men, a donkey, a star, and a baby in a manger with some doting parents nearby. Well, it, it is that, but it's more. So this Christmas series, we've been trying to get beyond the baby in the manger, beyond the typical nativity scene, beyond the wise men, the star and the angels. We want to be incredibly intentional and deliberate uh, to say this, Jesus came to earth once and he's coming back again one day. That's kind of a big deal. Uh, so this morning we're going to wrap up this surprise Christmas theme and look a little more at the idea of the last and biggest surprise. Jesus is coming back and how that should change how we do life here on earth. Now you'll see here, I've put up a tent. What are tents good for? Camping, 10 points to Eddie. Camping is great, it's fun, it's relaxing and all in all a good thing to do. But it's not the same as home. It pours with rain. If it pours with rain while you're living in a tent, it's miserable. They leak, they're cold, they're cramped, everything gets wet. And if, if you happen to set up a tent and some gale force winds come up, your tent poles break, tear holes in the tent, everything flaps around, it sucks. So if either or both of these happen in a well-built home, it's not a problem. A well-built home won't leak and it won't get great holes torn in it with some wind. Home is secure when compared to a tent. Now this morning we've got some Bible readings scattered throughout this little chat, this little talk, and uh, instead of getting people up and down, up and down, we're going to have Bible readings from the pews. So our first Bible reading is coming from one of the three Croon girls and it's from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 4. So she's got a microphone. You know, stand up. Looks like we've got Danielle. Yes. Cool. Take it away, Danielle. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our, hem with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Thank you, very good. So as a kid, I remember camping for two full weeks at Coles Bay. Actually, that picture right there. It's not of my tent, but it's of a campsite I've stayed on many times. On the east coast of Tassie. So some of my most fond childhood memories are from those times spent camping by the beach. But I remember, towards the end of those two weeks, being pretty excited to go home. Now, it's not because I disliked camping, not at all but because I longed 
for reprieve from the mozzies. Lights you could just flick on. Carpet beneath my feet. Oh, so nice. Because you're on gravel for two weeks and the sand. And I remember going to the Freysano Lodge just up the road, take your thongs off and you're like, oh, carpet. It's very nice. <laughs> so in a bedroom with an actual bed in it, not a tent that I had to share with my entire family. I longed to be where I belonged, at home. You know that we don't belong here on earth? Now, I'm not suggesting that we're E.T.'s cousins. What I mean to say is we are created for a relationship with God, to be home with him as our father. Now, looking at the creation story in Genesis, we can clearly see God in a perfect, close relationship with his creation. God and man took walks together in the garden. That was where we, humans, were designed to be. Humankind was designed to thrive in a perfect, intimate relationship with our creator. God. Now that doesn't mean, uh, that doesn't exist today in the way that it did in the Garden of Eden. Sin entered the world and humans decided to abandon God, his plan and do life on our own. Now this has since been the norm for our world. It's broken, it's damaged, it's not what it was meant to be. Now Jesus came to save us. That's what Christmas and Easter is all about, right? Jesus born at Christmas Crucified, resurrected and, uh, crucified and resurrected at Easter, and we can have a relationship with God through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Now, this is great. We're free from guilt, shame. We can have a living relationship with God. However, the world is still broken. Bad things still happen. We all long for the perfect relationship humans once had with God way back in the Garden of Eden. This is why we long for more. Our longings are in line with our original design in which we had perfect intimacy with God. This time we have on earth right now is like the two-week camping trip I went on as a kid. It's pretty good, there's cool things to do and see, good friendships are made and it can be a pretty fun time, but it's not home. Now it's time for our next Bible reading. This one's from Hebrews 13. So the next croon girl, could you take your post and lead us? <laughs> the invisible drummer but the invisible Bible reader. For here we do not have an endurance city but we have but we are looking for the city that is to come. Thank you Amber. We all long for an enduring city not a tent or a temporary residence. Humankind hopes to find something to make our life a little more meaningful, a little more fulfilled, a little more satisfied. Life on this earth is not enough for us. We long for something to fill us, to satisfy us, to give us something to live for. These desires can be disguised or wrongly treated by gaining more money, comfort or pleasure, all of which aren't really getting to the heart of our desire. The root of our problem is, I believe, we are not home here on earth. Now, there's this quote from C.S. Lewis, which I thought was quite profound. That's weird English, and I always say it wrong. Here we go. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Christians wait, they long for, and put our hope in something more. We long for the relationship and intimacy we were supposed to have with our Creator an eternity spent with God in a perfect, intimate relationship with him. 
What does it look like to long for and put our hope in an eternity with God? Now, life on earth is not simply to be born, to grow, to learn, to have fun, have kids, earn money and die. How can anyone live a life simply to die at the end of it and not be disheartened? As Christ followers, we know for sure that there is more to life than this 70 or 80 odd years on this earth. We know that despite the wind and the rain in our tent, that one day we will go home. We know that despite the troubles, the pain and suffering, which are really uncomfortable and quite frankly suck a lot, despite all this, we know that at the end of the day, we're camping in a tent and home is waiting for us at the end. So I have two questions for you. First one is, do you have this kind of hope and mindset? And the second question is, do you want this hope and mindset? Thinking, on, thinking of life on earth as temporary and life after death as eternal will completely change how we face life. Let's try and unpack the idea of eternity a little. Now, say you live 83.4 years. That's the life expectancy of the average Australian. That's a good innings, that's for sure. You know what, compares, what that compares to when you put it alongside eternity? Nor do I. I couldn't come up with any illustrations because it's just eternity is something we cannot compre comprehend. Everything we know is bound by time. And all I can say is eternity is an awfully long time. Eternity spent with or without God is what we believe awaits every single person when we die. And how we choose to live life here on earth determines the outcome. That's a big statement. I'll say it again. Eternity with or without God is what we believe awaits every single person when we die. And how we choose to live life here on earth determines the outcome. Putting our hope in spending eternity with God completely changes how we do life here on earth. I have a dumb example that I heard a while ago which helped me understand this a little better. Imagine you're driving a car, phone rings, answering it illegally because your hands-free doesn't work like mine, you find out you've received a gift of a million bucks into, straight into your bank account. There are no strings attached and it is not a scam. Just after hearing this, the red and blue lights are flashing behind you in the mirror. You hastily hang up the phone, you pull over and the cop is in a really, really bad mood. He decides to give you a fine of 500 bucks and for extra measure he even arrests you and locks you up for the night. Now provided you pay the $500 fine, in the morning, you'll be free to go. How do you think that night was for the guy in prison? Was it easy or was it hard? 500 bucks is nothing compared to the million that he'd just got. While he was confined to prison for a short time, he knew on the other side of the bars that there was freedom and abundance. That one night in prison would have been so much more bearable knowing this. Like I said, it's a dumb nonsense story, but it helped me appreciate what it is we have to look forward to. We live in a similar circumstance. 1 Peter 2.11 says that we should live life here on earth as temporary residents. Just as the prisoner was a temporary inmate in that freedom was promised on the next day, we are temporary residents on earth. Now looking at humans across history and the globe, it's easy to see people trying to make their tent or prison cell into a mansion. So much effort is put into life by working, by earning money, power, fame, by having as much fun as possible, being comfortable. But whatever you do on this life, in this life, whatever you do to a tent, it's still a tent. Whatever you do to a prison cell, it's still a prison cell. 
It's still not home. Whatever you try to do in this life to make it better or more comfortable or fun, it is not lasting. We all die. What we've acquired or gained in this life doesn't matter anymore, at least not to you, because you're dead. So if life on earth is really only a tent or a prison cell, a temporary place to reside in for just a while, should we care so much about this time? It's tiny when compared to eternity. Do I, do you, spend way too much time fussing over this life in ways that do not affect eternity? It should probably make us wonder about a few things. Perhaps we're overly concerned with the things of this life, like money and how we save or spend it. Remember, it's no good to you in the end. Seek instead to bless others. Be generous. Now, often this is a little easier at Christmas time because of Christmas spirit and all this sort of thing, but what about the rest of the days of the year? What about prioritising how you raise your kids? Is sport, school or fun more important than fostering and growing a relationship with God? What things do you say yes or no to? What are your priorities? Think eternal impact, not worldly insignificant things. I don't know about you, but I've found myself caring more about getting the grass mowed than spending time with my pre-Christian neighbour. That's just ridiculous. What we do with our time here on earth matters. It really matters. Not that we earn our way to heaven by doing good things, not at all. God loves us so much and wants us to be where we belong, where we belong, so much so that he would sacrifice his son in order for us to be able, have a, a in order for us to be able to have a relationship with him. Through Jesus, we can know and draw near to God as a father. Through Jesus, we are forgiven. Through Jesus, we're offered grace. Through Jesus, we get to have a relationship with God. So we're not home yet. We're living in a tent that can be blown around by the wind and leak when it rains. Nor is it a secure dwelling that we can call home. It's only a short-term stay like the guy locked up in prison for the night. There is hope and promise of abundance on the other side of the prison bars. Now, to be perfectly clear, when I say abundance, I don't mean the prosperity gospel abundance, but instead joy, satisfaction, and our desire to be with God will be met. We are waiting. We are longing. We have our hope in much more than what this life offers us here on earth. God offers us heaven and eternity with him. Now, for those of us who were here yesterday, come with me as we cast our minds back 20 three, four hours, sorry, that was bad maths, 24 hours. Jess spoke about a banquet, this table here, with, with God, that, sorry, Jess spoke about a banquet that God will host and that we have an invite to it. This banquet symbolises eternity with God in heaven. What have you done with your invite? Have you RSVP'd yet? Perhaps you're hoping for a better offer to come along and do you think, do you think that this life has more to offer than what God can give us? Maybe you don't think it's really going to happen. You think it's all fairy tale stuff and not real. So your invite was just scrunched up and tossed in the bin. Has your invite been forgotten about? Maybe it's been buried under other stuff on the kitchen bench, pushed to the bottom of the priorities list, been smothered by apparently more important things. Nothing is more important than what you do with this invite. Absolutely nothing. Once you have RSVP'd for this, life changes completely. We have hope. We live in hope, knowing that there is more to come than this life has to offer. What we hope for is described pretty well in this next Bible passage. 
the last book in the Bible, Revelation, was written by John, one of Jesus' disciples, who was exiled to an island for his faith in Jesus. Now chapter 21 paints a pretty incredible picture of heaven. So we listen to this as we get our next Bible reading, please. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and their, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Thank you. Do you want to be there? I sure do. So get that proverbial banquet invite out again. Find and flatten out that crumpled invite that's in the bin. Find the lost one buried under things. And if you haven't ever got an invite or you've completely lost the one you had, Talk to me, talk to Jess, whoever you came with this morning or a leader of the church for you today. We can get you another invite, no problems at all. If you have this invite stuck to your fridge door and you have RSVP'd and you're eagerly awaiting the day, keep waiting on, keep hoping in, keep trusting in and keep seeking God. The day is coming, the day when we can be back with God in a perfectly harmonious relationship. Now that invite to the banquet has one condition of entry. It's not a dress code, thankfully. It's not for 18 years, or, 18 years or older. It's not even just for the elite. The condition upon which we can enter is found perhaps in the most famous verse in all of the Bible. We sang it a little earlier. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The condition of entry is simply this. Believe. Believe that Jesus, God's own son, came to earth as a baby for the first time at Christmas, took your place upon that cross to take away your sin, guilt and shame at Easter. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we have access to the most incredible banquet ever put on. Because of Jesus, we have assurance that, yep, this life on earth is a flimsy tent at best or a temporary stay in a prison cell. We have waiting for us eternity with our Father, our Creator, our God, forevermore. Amen. So I believe we're going to have a song now, so our musicians could kick us off. That'd be good. Thanks. <laughs> 